Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time, that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois out what we call lovingly the corn patch, and you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God. And I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material, not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service. And we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. If you will be so kind to turn with me to Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter. This chapter, or this this part of the chapter, well, let's see, am I going to do the, yeah, is very, very interesting. Because this chapter gives a hint by God as to what this is about, about these commandments. Now listen, all the commandments which I command thee this day that shall ye observe to do. Now notice he didn't say just observe them, he said you will observe to do. And there's a big difference between just looking at something and doing something about that which you're looking at, all right? Uh, that you may live. Now, why should you observe and do them? That you may live and multiply and go and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Now, we know at that point they were talking about the physical land of Israel. We can also look at it today as the land that to possess is, the, is these spiritual places in which we are trying, bless God, to do what? To take. And which, which again, our Father has given us this. This is ours. And thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee those forty years in the wilderness. Now listen, why they kept going around and around in the wilderness? They went around and around to be humbled. He said to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thy heart, whether thou wouldst keep His commandments or no. Now, I want you to, to, to really focus in on this, this, because this is the essence of everything that you and the Lord God go through. This is it. He permits you to go through the wilderness areas of your life, and the reason He permits you to do that first is to what? Is to humble. Does, are we humble when we go through tough things? You bet we are. I, 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 I'm going to tell you something. Early on in my ministry, and I know none of you can imagine that I would have been cocky. Yeah, I got real cocky. I had watched God do just everything that you could imagine that he could do. The anointing of God was, was just exploding in the, in, in the ministry with the people. And bless God, I decided that I knew everything there was to know about, about uh, healing. Now, I'd been in the ministry all of about three years, all right? I thought, well, now, now, bless God, the first thing I considered. Now, that book I wrote back there, I wrote after a number of years, okay, the little booklet. But, uh, but, I, but after three years, I'm going, huh. and I know where I, there's no reason for people not to be healed. I just had this all figured out, and all it was, folks. I went a period of, of I, I'm not sure this is exactly right, but I'm going to say probably a period of, of three, four months that nobody was healed in my meeting. Oh, I said, God, what, 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 what's wrong? I said, Lord, I, I don't understand. I, you know, I'm, I'm still fasting. I'm still seeking Your face. I'm still, I'm still, bless God, cleaning up the things of my life. I, I'm being, I, I'm being sin conscious every day. I said, what, what, what's happened? My oh, Lord, nothing. How, don't you just love it when you pray and nothing comes? 
Lord, I'm in a bind down here. And he said, don't look up and yell. I'm in here. I said, I'm in a blind, in a bind down here. <laughs> he does have somewhat of a sense of humor, all right? I said, these people, I said, God, I don't understand it. I'm not saying that no one's been healed. Nobody's receiving. I'm praying. I feel the anointing running out of my hands into those bodies. My hands get hot. Nothing's happening. No answer. I said, okay, I'm going to break this thing. If I have to, if I die, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fast. I'm fasting until I get the answer. Don't ever do that. <laughs> that never worked. I went 40 days, 40 nights, no food, just water. And I'm going to tell you what, I got to thinking, maybe I was going to die. On the 40th day of that fast, that night, about 2 in the morning, the anointing of God began to run from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet as it always does when the angel comes. I rolled over and there he was, standing in the bed like he always does. And I go, oh. And he said to me, don't provoke God. See, when you listen to the thing I do on, on fasting and prayer, I told you, you can't force the hand of God through fasting, can you? That's the way I learned. See, again, what I'm teaching you, I'm sorry. I didn't have anybody teach me. I had to live through it. And some of it sounds funny, but believe you me, it was heart-rendering. And so the angel said to me, he said, God said to tell you he's going to do it his way. I never said that he, I never, I, no, 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 no. He said, you think that you've got this thing down like, like making, making cookies that you just make one and just, it all, he said, no, it doesn't work that way. I said, well, it has for three years or better. He said, well, it won't ever again. He left. He didn't say goodbye. Here's the way to get it done. You start doing this. Gone. I'm going, hey, wait a minute. Too late. He's gone. So I thought, well, I'll break the fast, 40 days. I mean, that, that was it. I accomplished nothing except the, the angels did end up showing up, but he didn't say anything. So I went to service the next night. And uh, the Lord God, uh, I, be, I, I, I began to, to sense that the, the anointing was real, real heavy that night. And I thought, wow. This, this, this person... Uh, was sitting right over one of those two chairs there, and, and they had a leg that was about that much shorter than the other. And so I, I I don't do that much anymore, but I used to, you know, I used to stand, walk the aisles, and I used to say, look, you know, uh, somebody's this way, somebody's got a brain tumor, somebody's got this, something's going on in this hip, something's going on there. And so every once in a while I do it, but not very often anymore, because after all, what does that do for you? Not a thing. Uh, so anyway, um, I, I, that came up, and, and anyway, so I, I walk over, and what I always do, and I still do a lot today, is I get another chair, slide their hips to the back of the chair, and push evenly on the feet, and then you can see that the one leg is shorter than the other. I, for you. And then I just lay my hand on their head, 
command the thing, break the powers of darkness, and command that to grow in the name of Yeshua. And the leg just comes out there like that, just loose. It be. I started to do that, and, 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 and the Lord God said, don't do that like that. So that's the way I always do it. And he said, no, no, not tonight. He said, you have, you have them to stand up, and you have them to kick their leg three times like that. I said, okay. I said, stand up and kick your leg three times like that. They did it. He, this guy said, oh, I felt that. Set back down, pushed his hips back, leg had grown. I said, oh. Somebody else, I said, boy, somebody else has got, somebody else has got back uh, problems. And I said, in fact, you're getting ready to go to the hospital. Somebody had dro- driven over from St. Louis to be prayed for. And it was, a, it was a, 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 another fellow, and he raised his hand. And I said, well, come up here. And I started laying hands. And God said, don't lay hands on him. You have him to lay down. Now, that table wasn't there, and that table wasn't there. He said, you have him to lay down and roll from that wall over to this wall and roll back to that wall and to stand up and to praise me for his healing. I said, well, God, that's not the way we... That's just not the way we... we, we I, I've never done that like that before. He said, do it. I said, okay. I said, and, and so they did and he did and they were healed. The miracle came. I had people running up and down this aisle. I had one person come out, go out and run around this, this building, come back and was healed. I had them jumping up and down. They were healed. I said, God. And the Lord said, I am the Lord thy God. And I want you to know you will never put me in a box. I don't perform for you. I'm God. I went, wow. A few weeks later, you heard the story that I did, that I've told about the big guy that came in. Uh, and bless God, I'm talking about. Now, I'm not sure that quite as muscular as the two of you, but the, the height would have been about right, okay? And, 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 the, and he had a gallbladder thing, and he was going in for a gallbladder operation the next day. And I, and I, uh, I was going to lay hands on him. The Lord said, no, no. Well, that didn't surprise me by then. I go, okay, you want him to kick his leg, roll across the floor? He said, no. He said, I want you to back up, and I want you to hit him right about there as hard as you can hit him. (laughs) Now, my mama didn't raise no fools. This guy's about that much taller than me, and look like he could eat me for lunch. And I'm now, now I, you don't. I don't know whether you, you ever noticed, but any time I turn around like this, me and the Lord or one of those angels is having a real conversation about something that I'm not wanting to do, and yet I'm being insisted to do. Okay, and so and so anyway, I, I turn around and I said, God, I can't hit that guy. He said, Hit him. Scream my name. So I looked at that old boy and I looked up to him and I said that. You want to be healed? He said, that's what I'm up here for. I said, uh, uh, raise your hands and close your eyes. <laughs> that's called a cheap shot, okay? I leaned back, and I mean, I hit him as hard as I could hit him. And I go, in your son's name! And down he went on the floor right about there. And I look at this old boy, and I said, the minute he wakes up, you come get me. But see, during those days, I, I always joked about the fact of making sure these doors weren't locked. 
just in case things went bad, I'd have a way to get out. Do you know what I mean? The old boy uh, came back around, and, and uh, he hadn't been able to eat for two weeks or whatever it was, and we went out and had steak and french fries that night after, after, after uh, the service, and he was uh, completely healed. Uh, the, the essence of it is that God is God. You know, I, and then you, the, the, I think the most astounding thing that God ever had me to do uh, as that type of a thing was when the lady came that was rather large, and she had a, a one or two uh, discs in her back that had, were crushed or whatever, that had to have some kind of replacement being done. She came, and, 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 and you know, and that's where the Lord said, have her to lay on the floor. You stand on her back, and you jump up three times and say my name. You know, unless you're ever in those situations, you just don't really know how you feel. And I'm going, God, why would you make me do that? And why would that lady want me to do that, you know? But yet I did it, and after the third time, the woman got up and ran all over this room because God had given her the miracle. Now, what is that? That's letting God be God. So you see, brothers and sisters, there's no way to think that God's going to perform for us so what he wants to do, he wants to put us in a place where you're humbled. You think it would it humbles you to ask somebody to lay down uh, on their on their stomach and take me take my shoes off? Now I'm not a little guy and stand up on their back and have somebody on each side and jump three times in the air and say his name <clears throat> with these discs in the shape they are. The carnal mind says you're going to kill her. And I say to her, I said, honey, will you trust me? She said, I don't even know you. Makes it tough, doesn't it? I'm going, that's encouraging. I said, well, let me tell you something. You want the miracle, the only way it's going to come is you come up here on this stage, you lay down your stomach, I'm going to take my shoes off, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump three times on your back. She looked at me, and she said, prophet, whatever it takes, if that's what God told you, she said, let's do it. I thought, you know, you kind of every once in a while got to really wonder if these people got got all the oars in the water, you know? That's not natural, you know. But what? She said, hey, I I have been here in your services, and I've watched people get out of wheelchairs. I've seen people that were blind now that can see. She said, if that's what God told you, she said, let's do it. We did it, and, and God gave her the miracle. Now, does that humble you? You better believe it humbles you. See, uh, the, the essence about ministry is, when it starts out and it's young, it, 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 bless God, it, most of what happens with young ministry, they need to be locked up, duct taped around the mouth so they can't prophesy. And bless God, you know, I told a young guy out, and well, well uh, uh, the brother was with me, and we're in Phoenix, Arizona, and here comes this young, this young budding prophet, as I call him. And bless God, and, and he just, he said, I, I really want to be in your ministry. And, and he just kept bugging me. And, and so finally I said, okay, I said, here's the way it is. I said, you order my stuff, you study it. He said, well, what about the, 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 the prophecies I get? Oh, I said, that, that's a good thing you brought that up. I said, I want you to write down all the prophecies that God gives you. I don't know what I said after six months or after a year, whatever. I don't remember what I said. Then I said, I want you to take them, wad them up, and throw them in the waste can. He said, well, well prophet, well, why would I want to do that? I said, because that's where they belong. I said, you know, you're going to pay the price to walk where prophets walk. You're, you're going to have to understand, just because God shows you something, it doesn't mean the world's got to know it. 
You've got to understand how this thing works. This thing works through somebody paying a price, somebody that has been humbled. And I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters, until you or anybody else has been in this thing 10 years, you ain't been humbled at all. You just think you've started in it. And you want to know the other side? It never quits. God keeps humbling us. Why? Why does He keep doing this? He keeps putting us through these wilderness things. And the whole end of this is, the whole end of this is, so He can know what is in our hearts. That's so He can decide whether or not He can trust you with the anointing to bring the dead up. Whether He can trust you where you can stand and you can speak and prophesy that that hurricane will sit three days and three nights and spin and not move in either direction and confound the entirety of the climatology world. That's what it's about. And there's only one way to get there. It's for Him to humble us. For Him to let us go through these wilderness areas. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> it comes a time when you think you're never going to get out. But see, that's what they thought too. They took 40 years wandering around out there in a place they go walk across in, in, a, in a week. Now what's that about? It's about God. God, and, and it's so important for you and I both to understand and to know that God has, God has a mission for you. God wants you to understand that where He is taking you tomorrow you're not capable of succeeding for Him today. That's what He wants you to know. And He humbles you, and He keeps looking at your heart until He gets you in a position so that when you get there, that you'll be able and you will be, listen to me, useful under the Lord God when He needs you. You say, but, I, but, but, but I'm just sure I'm ready. No, you're not. No, you're not. None of us are. God is preparing us every day for the tomorrows. And if you don't move forward with God, you're moving backwards. Okay? That's the reason in this seminar this weekend that we're trying to get you to realize that you're going to have to put this thing together and keep it together. You can't be wishy-washy and bless God one week, you're, you know, you're running around doing this, the next week you're running around doing that, and then things go bad and... That's it. I'm not going. We used to. I know. I know. Early on, the church people would come, and then all of a sudden they quit coming. I said, God, I don't understand what's going on. I said, They come. They they are faithful about coming. They enjoy the services. They're 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 being fed, and you know that's when the Lord told me. He said, When they come, he said, You prophesy and you tell them that because the anointing that I put into you as a prophet, he said, I'm going to cause you to feed them, and they're either going to get in or they're going to get all the way out. See, it is the Word that will bring you in or the Word that will run you off. Why? Because of the wilderness experience. It's the Word that's going to do that. It's not the devil. It's not the next-door neighbor. It's not your husband or your wife. It is the Word. Spirit and life, of which it is. Now, now what, I, what I liked here was, though, and, and the bottom line was you're going to go through all this stuff so he can look at your heart, okay, and, 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 and whether or not you're going to keep the commandments. How many people say, well, now what did, well, let's go to Peter. What did Peter say? Well, now, Lord, the rest of these <clears throat> knuckleheads, they may deny you, but, Lord, you can count on me. Right? And what happened? I'm going to tell you what. He went to singing like you. I don't know the guy. 
No, I've never seen him before. And then all of a sudden we, we, we find Peter and the description that comes from the Greek back over to the Hebrew is that Peter was cussing like a truck driver. Okay? And 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 and, and, and bless God, and what did Peter say? That's it, boys. <clears throat> I'm going fishing. I've had it with this. This thing ain't working. I'm quitting. I've been shot at, missed, and so the whole thing is, will Peter, but didn't Peter finally, and see, what Peter did was that Peter, he sinned in, in him denying, but that was all Scripture to be fulfilled, and we know that. But the fact of it is, we see Peter. Now listen to me, brothers and sisters. Don't miss this point. Shaki obaka, shakin rabaka. They went fishing. He went back to his own. Let's get a six-pack of beer, some cigars, some red man chewing tobacco. Let's go fishing, boys. Let's go back to doing what it is we were safe with. Now, some of you have been there. Some of you are thinking about being there again. Let me tell you something. It don't do any good to run because you can't outrun him and you can't hide from him. And then all of a sudden, the same scenario that we've read before, they're out and they feast all night and they, fed the, uh, and they caught nothing. I wonder what the boys were thinking about then. Hmm, that seems really familiar. And then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, here's this guy on the seashore saying, Cast your nets on the other side for a draw, boys. That must have sounded familiar. And then they couldn't bring the fish into the boat because there were so many of them. The net began. And then Peter said, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And Peter got up, stripped off his clothes, dove in that water, and he went to shore. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Once you succumb to the calling of God, your life will be nothing but a piece of misery the rest of your life if you don't fulfill it. I said earlier this weekend, you don't belong to yourself. I'm sorry. I wish I, uh, I, oh, I'm as independent as they say like hog is on ice. Being a Jew, that's a good saying. The fact of it is, we do not belong to ourselves. We, you, you, again, you don't have the right, I don't have the right to start saying, start saying I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. We're going to do what God tells us to do. You are, as I said, in the infancy stages of the greatest exodus that's ever taken place on the face of this earth. You're it. You're sitting here today representing about 60 million Ephraimites. You're sitting here. Is it the Messianic movement? No, it's not the Messianic movement. It's this. Will some of them from the Messianic movement come over? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. But this is not the Messianic movement. This, this, is, this is the house of Ephraim, the house of Joseph, the house of Israel. This is the promise that God made. That's what's quickened our hearts. The key, again, is to prepare. Now, when the Lord God spoke to me when I was coming home from Africa, made me so happy that day, that he had chosen now to show me to the United States of America, and I began to cry for three days and three nights and beg him not to make me do this. But I begin to understand something that, bless God, that Ephraim was about to be filled. Then it took a year and a half later 
for me to begin to understand the part that I was really playing in this thing. When he said he was going to show me to America, I thought my, my job was to, that, you know, to, to get people prepared to understand about this avian bird flu, which it is. But I, I had no idea that, that my part was going to be the, the leader, like an ass unto Moses, of bringing those ten lost tribes that had been scattered to the four corners of this earth for eons of years together and begin to prepare them. Now, what's the preparation? This right here. Beginning to get you to the place where you understand what has to be kept and how to keep it. To get you to understand that you've got to become sin conscious. You have to understand when he said, be you holy, he meant be holy. He didn't mean me to be holy one minute, and the next minute when something didn't satisfy you, to get out here and act like the rest of this world. Bless God, if you're going to act like the world, you're going to reap the world's blessings, which is what? The world. That's the reason. That's the reason when you've heard me say, how many times? Come out. Come out. Come out. Come out. Come out from among them. You and I, we don't... Listen, folks, we're not like them. You say, well, that sounds, that, that, that sounds a little heady. It is. We're not like them. We're spatial. You have been given something, listen to me, that they don't have. Now, I don't care how many churches. I know that God doesn't wish that any should, uh, any should die and end up burning in hell. I know that's what Scripture says. But let me tell you something. Not everybody can attain what you have. You say, now, wait a minute. That makes God a respect for it. No, no. There's the sons of light, the sons of darkness, and the sons of this world. There's some that are never going to be saved. You know, see, that's the thing, 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 thing I try, try to tell these knuckleheads about trying to save all the Jews. Leave them alone. Quit spending your money. You're wasting your money. Them, 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 them Jews aren't going to get saved. Judah's not coming in until God says now. Now, that's happening in the Spirit, by the way. I, uh, I, I don't have any idea. uh, uh. uh about the timing, but it's happening in the Spirit, that God is starting to do in Judah what God's doing over here in Ephraim. Okay? There's rattles in the Spirit, and I can hear them. Okay? They, they see that, that, that they're afraid of us because we're gun whole. You don't hear Jews bragging about miracles and healings and and oh, they don't have any prophets. No, they, they don't. No, there's no there's no Jewish prophets. I catch all kind of flack because it's JewishProphet.com. Okay, I'm a Jew and I'm a prophet, so you figure it out, you know. But let me tell you something. You know, that's when I said that the, the rabbi said to me, he said, "Well, when it comes time for you to come to Israel, how's it, how how are they going to know?" Now, I've left signs with them that's come to pass. and You've heard me tell those stories. And I said, oh, I said, it's simple. I said, brothers, we'll just go up there on Mount Carmel. I know about Mount Carmel. See, there's a link between why I live in Mount Carmel and me going to Mount Carmel, okay? And I've always known that, I guess, even when I was a kid. Something was really, really different about that. Or I mean, younger, not a kid. And anyway, I, I said, oh, it's simple. I said, you just gather all the, all the cameras at the TV people, get them all up there. I said, I want you to take me up in, in there where Elisha, Elisha was at, and Elisha. And I said, uh, right there on the Jordan. They looked at me. I said, yeah, brothers. 
I said, I'm going to take this holy Khalid. And I'm going to smack the Jordan and I'm going to scream, Where is that blood of Elijah? And it's going to part. And this prophet's going to walk across the dry land and they'll know that the prophet's in Israel. Their eyes got big and that, that one, that one old safari Jew, he said, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. I said, You can bet on it. You can take it to the bank. God is alive. And, you know, that's the thing that, I, you know, uh, the people uh, talk and the people ask me a lot of questions and, uh, about all this stuff and all this thing. And, you know, the, the thing about it is I've been this way all my life. And uh, you all have heard, I mean, these, these visions came when I, the, the first one I can remember, I was eight years old. I knew everything at times. I mean, I, I've, I've told school teachers stuff. Uh, I, I, it just went on and went on and went on. They look at you funny, and then they start treating you funny, and then they act like you've got something wrong with you, and, and then they feel sorry for you, and then they don't want their kids playing with you because it may rub, rub off, you know, one of those deals. But we can't help who we are. You say, I've got nothing to do with that. I just and somebody said to me, said, "Oh, you are so fortunate that God chose you to be." And I said, "No, no, no, I'm not fortunate." I said, "You know what? Do you know what I really? After I got into the ministry, do you know what I really? Of course, you always want to be something you're not. Okay, that's that's us. But what I liked to been was the doorkeeper. I was once a doorkeeper for two years at a church. I mowed the yard. We cleaned the church. We were there an hour before when it was so cold. We had to sit in the car." and get the heat up and going, and then we were the last ones out, and, and we were there, we, and I loved it. And I said, if I could be, I'd be a, the best doorkeeper that any church ever had. And yet that's not what God wanted me to be. But you want to know something I, I understand? You have to learn. Now listen to me. Listen to me, my brothers and sisters. You have to learn to operate where you're at before you can go to where God's got you. You 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 you've got to get God's approval over here before you can get over there. And if you can't if you can't see that's a, a, a see that goes back to that thing I did and I I can't even remember the names of all this stuff yet uh, now that where I begin to talk to you about the fact that about ministry and how ministry is like the army and if you never if if in fact you've never served and in fact, if you've never been in a in an organization where you were the the, the buck private, where you were the, the the guy or the gal that kept the door, that swept the floor, that painted the church, that mowed the yard, don't come talk to me about ministry. You're not deservant. Listen to me. The first thing I do, people shoot their mouth on me. I said, "Where'd you start?" Well, now, Brother Deckard, God held me back. And I just stayed home, and I prayed, and I fasted, and I studied the Bible until that day come. I said, who'd you set under to learn to be a prophet? The Holy Ghost taught me, Brother Decker. I said, then this is Brother Decker. There's a door. Don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. We can't use you here. You're trying to come in another way. There's only one way ministry can come up, and that's under ministry. You've got to understand that. It does not work in the back room somewhere. It works with some old boy like me that when things really get wrong, I just walk out and say, stand up. 
and I will read your pedigree to you right there in front of all the people in the room that we're in. It will embarrass you, it will humble you, and you'll probably hate me for about 24 hours until you hear the voice of God say, go back and beg the prophet to forgive you. But that's the way it works, folks. This thing doesn't work with just between you and the Lord. You know why? For those of you that have studied and those of you who haven't, do yourself a favor and you study the thing on familiar spirits. You understand a familiar spirit will come. You won't know. How, how, you know people don't know. Well, now, I know if there's a familiar spirit around. No, you don't. You're lying to yourself. You don't know that. You can't know that. Samuel didn't know the voice of God and one of the greatest prophets that ever walked the face of this earth. What makes you think you know? That is a skill to be learned as I teach in that, in that, uh, that seminar. Learning to hear the voice of God is a skill to be learned. And if you're not sitting under somebody that's already been there, already been, bless God, uh, corrected when they got wrong, don't you think that you, you're in a, in, a, in a spatial, and that's what happens to us, you're in such a spatial little place over here that, oh my. No, 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 don't be a fool. You don't understand. If you sit under a real prophet of God and they have ate you up or spit you out about 25 or 30 times, you don't have to have the foggiest idea what this thing's all about. Because there is a responsibility to be paid to stand in these holy beamers. One well of responsibility. And you will pay it if you're going to try to stand there. Let's go. Here we go. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I, I told myself at break that I had to move along here because, I see, I get tied up in these things. Now, now, uh, now the third verse. Boy, I got all the way to the third verse, and it only took me how many? What, 45 minutes? That's great. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. <laughs> he let him hunger and fed thee with what? With manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, uh, doth man live. And now what Yeshua said in the fourth chapter of Matthew, we started in last night with? Exactly. He humbled you, and, and, and he, he caused you to suffer hunger. Because he wanted to show you that he's God, and he wanted to show you that he was capable, more than capable, of, of sending manna down from heaven. Now, when you study that and you begin to realize about all of that, he implemented Shabbat right in the middle of it. He said that the six days, bless God, that the manna would be there to feed all of Israel. Now, at that point in time, and the theologians have argued for generations about it, and it really doesn't make any difference whether it was a million and a half, two million and a half, and I've even heard three and a half million. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. A million and a half people is a whole bunch of people, right? Amen. And so uh, the, there was going to have to be enough manna come down from heaven to feed. Let's just use the million and a half. And it was going to happen. But on the sixth day, there was going to be twice the amount come down. So, in fact, on Shabbat, that nobody would be out gathering manna. That happened. So what did God do? He brought a miracle, but he did not forsake what he said about Shabbat, did he? He said, I have hollowed it and made it holy. And he said, he, said, he said, you must keep it holy. So what did he do? He didn't just say, okay, boys, we're going to get, we're going to get manna here for six days and you just have to fast on the seventh. 
No, no. He gave them enough that it made through made made it through the seven. What 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 God is doing and, and what I'm teaching here in the end time scenario with this thing, and I think where we started with, with all of you was to get you to understand that you're going to have to come to such a, a place with God that the angelic beings, the angels, will manifest themselves, that you can learn to command them, and bless God, and and they will in turn begin to provide for you. See, and the church doesn't know anything about that. But you see, that's where you're not going to have to be concerned about whether or not you have enough to eat during this time of, of what whatever. Now, I, I need to tell you this. In Australia, they have now come in Australia, the president of Australia has now said, that everybody in Australia must quickly put up 10 weeks' worth of food because of the bird flu. 10 weeks. Now, they're sure that they're going to be one of the first countries to be to be hit by this uh, pandemic. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, why didn't, our, why didn't our government say anything? Just what I told you, our government's not going to say anything. You're not going to know until it's too late. Then it's going to be too late. You're going to run out... But here's now. Let me tell you what the key is. Okay, brother Decker, let, let's pretend this thing's going to last. And what I tell you, I'd probably put up enough food for a couple of years, year and a half, two years, what a year, whatever I said, I don't remember. But but let's say, for instance, this thing lasts. You put up enough food to make a year, and it lasts 18 months. Dear God in heaven, we're going to die. No, you're not. No, you're no, 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 no. You're not going to die. The key is now. Listen to me that you prepared. You prepared. The prophets have always brought the warning of the disasters, and the real prophets then turn around and give you a way of which God will let you escape. Okay? That's the pattern in which it works. God spoke to me about this pandemic, and he said, here is a way that they can escape the death angels. Right here. And so I gave it to you. Now, if you don't prepare then bless God, I'm going to tell you something. You and yours could very easily die with the rest of them. If you prepare for a year and it's 18 months, all you're going to have to do is walk out and pick the man up off the ground or hold your hands around the table and pray, and it will manifest itself. You say, now, whoa, whoa, you're talking Steven Spielberg stuff here. No, I'm not. I'm talking God stuff. See, I'm talking a realm that the church could not bring you to. Wasn't anointed to bring you to. Because they, none of them has ever walked in it. None of them has ever, ever, has ever uh, come to the place to, to understand the things that the blessed God that you've heard me stand and, and, and say. And if you haven't heard the thing I do on the angels, get, get the thing of the visitation of the angels. People say, oh my, oh my, that, 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 that just couldn't happen. Well, you heard the brother, uh, bless God, back there now, Donna put together that, that uh, DVD thing where I blew three times and blew the hole in the middle of the cloud in a 4,000-foot gulch. Uh, the, the cloud just come up and dissipated. Just a matter of a few minutes. What's that all about? That's about real prophets and the way real prophets do things. Well, how many, how many services have you stood up in and prophesied, Brother Decker, just to correct the congregation? Watch me. None. I've never been in another service and prophesied unless I was in authority in the Bema. Not my place. God didn't send me in to correct somebody's congregation. Unless the pastor invited me and gave me 
and gave me the authority to do what God tells me. And I've always asked him, I said, now, Pastor, if you want me to come, and if you want me to do what God tells me to do, that's fine. And and that means everything from, from bless God, if I and I've had to do it, uh, tell you that, uh, bless God, you're, your your whatever your vice of your your assistant pastor is a queer to everything from your wife to sleeping with a piano player. If that's what you want me to do, that's fine. And now if you don't, you tell me what you want me to do. And most of them would say, Well, why don't you just come in and preach a nice message and, and let the Lord uh, work in the gifts when they love the gifts. That's the reason I go into very few churches anymore because it just doesn't work out for me. I don't, you can understand why, of course, but now, we're walking through here and he said, he said he fed him. And now listen, he says, this which thou knewest not, neither did thy father, fathers know, that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread alone. Again, it's every word that proceeded on. Fourth verse, the raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Wow. Clothes didn't wear out. The feet didn't swell from all that walking. Like I said, they they went around. They got to the place where they named the rocks. Well, they've been there. You can't wander around 40 years without not going around the same rock about 99 times. The feet didn't swell. The clothes didn't wax old. Are, is, are we talking miracles? Yes, we're talking miracles. Out and out miracles we're talking. That, that thou also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord... God chasteneth thee. Wait a minute. What kind of a God is this that would chasten us? Because He loves us. Because He wants to get you over here tomorrow where He can use you because where you're at today, you're not not going to be capable of doing what He's got for you to do tomorrow, next week, or next year. And if He doesn't bring you and humble you, and keep looking to see what's inside of your heart when things go bad. I'm going to tell you something. Everybody is okay in their heart when everything's going good. Oh, I love the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Things go bad. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I thought this was all real, but I don't know. Like I said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. You only know who you are in time of crisis. Then you're going to hear the real you. It's easy to praise God. It's easy to jump up and down and shout when everything's okay. I told the story about the time that I, I, I was young. I was in the ministry, just started. We just opened this church up, and I had, I had, boy, I had some back problems. I, I'd been to the chiropractor and, and cracked my back, and I'd prayed about it. Boy, it, it, I'm telling you, it wasn't doing well. And so, bless God, I'd fasted, been praying. One night I was here behind this bema, and I was preaching, and all of a sudden the, the anointing of God came upon me and ran from right here in the back of my head down into the place in my back that was hurting and just started burning. I thought, uh-oh, uh-oh. See, I didn't, see, I didn't think, see, I didn't think miracle. I'm thinking, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. And all of a sudden it was gone. I thought, dear God in heaven, dear God in heaven. And then as I teach with healing, here come the devil to steal it. He's going to try to steal it from you. He don't want you to know that God's real. He don't want you to know that, the, that, that bless God, that God's Word is 
truth. He don't want you to know that. So the only way he can do is come and steal from you what God's given you. And, but I'm going to tell you something. He can't steal it from you if you've got the Word in here. Okay? How many of you have I said, if in fact, especially when it comes with deliverance, it's going to come back. It's a promise. The book says that that, that unclean spirit will go into a dry place, bring back seven spirits worse than itself, and you'll be worse off than you were if it enters in. It says when, but it's if it can when it comes, you deny it. Nope, 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 nope. I don't. That's not right. You're, I, no, get out of here. That, I don't have that. That's not going to happen to me. Nope, nope, nope. In the name of Yeshua, go. Take about three times to five times. And that'll stop. You toy with it. You play with it. And I got news for you. You got more problems than you're ever going to want. And that's, I want you to understand that when we come to the end of this thing tonight. Deliverance is dangerous. Listen to me. Deliverance is dangerous. You can't play with it. If it's just a matter of, bless God, oh, I volunteer so I can be better, you're going to have to keep it after you get it. I'm teaching you how to keep it, all right? You just flat deny when it returns it coming in. Why? It's working on the outside, trying to get into the inside. You absolutely can keep it from coming back in if, in fact, you do what? You deny it. But, you know, Paul said, neither give place to the devil. Just don't give place to it. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I know that that was my back. I I know that I had a thing happen with my my foot, and and I remember I I, I the thing I remember the, with the back. I got on the uh, next day. I got out of bed and it hurt me so bad, and I I mean I, I mean tears were coming. I got on the floor, and I started, I, and I, and all of a sudden I I I remembered. I said, Devil, you think these are these are tears of pain? But I'm here to tell you these are tears of joy because by His stripes I'm healed. And I walk in this miracle. You want to know something? Bang, it was gone. I got up and I walked around and went, wow. Wow. Now listen to this. Now I'm already in the ministry. Now listen. It really works. Did I tell the congregation that? Oh, no, 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 no. That's a little too prideful at that time for me to be doing anything like that. That's being young, being stupid, not understanding. See, we think when we start, we've arrived. No, you haven't arrived. You just started. You don't know enough to wipe your <coughs> nose on. That was close. That was real close. I'm glad some of you appreciate this. Donna does, I believe. Oh, God loves me, this I know. He loves you too. Now, he says that he'll chasten us, therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Now, I, now that word here is reverence. The charismatic movement went to seed on this reverence thing or this fear thing. We went from the old Pentecostal side that I talked about last night of people getting into such a position of fearing God that they all they did was fear everything. Feared whether they was going to get to heaven, this, that. And, and you see, that's taken too far that way. Then along come the charismatic, and they decide, we're going to take care of this thing. So they went over in the ditch where they had drug it, the Pentecostals, and they pulled that thing over and got to the middle of the road with it, and they thought, well, they just went over and they threw it in the ditch on this side. What did they do? 
Well, we don't fear God. We reverence God, and we're Jesus' best friend. We're his brother. No, you're not his best friend. Yeah, you might be able to say you're his brother, but let me tell you where we missed it in the charismatic movement. He's still God. He's still God! He is not like you and I. He's not like you. Yeah, he, he was into the same tempted and all the things were tempted. He overcame all that. But at this point in time, he's, he's in his celestial being. He's God and himself. And yet, so we tried to get that done. And here, the key to fear is to understand, if you don't break the commandments, if you keep the law, the blessings come. You fear the fact that if you do break them, then hell's about to come home to visit. So out of that fear factor, you say, well, let's see, which would I rather have? Duh. Well, that's not hard to pick, is it? Let's go to the blessing side. I would, but you see, what, what we got to do is to get you where you understand where those blessings are at and what you've got to do to attain them blessings and more so to walk in them so that they make a difference in your life, that you too can say, I'm a blessed vessel of God. You know, we said all the right things. We did the right dances, I guess. But it didn't work in the church. Now we're going to have to go back. And what are we doing? We're just going back to the things that God originally set. That's all we're doing here. Now it says, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks and water and fountain, depths and all that stuff. Eighth verse, a land of wheat and barley and all that stuff. Ninth verse, a land wherein thou can eat bread without, without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. Uh, a land whose stones are armed and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Now watch this next one. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which I have given thee. Now it goes on to down through here, the rest of this chapter, and it talks about, and it's what happens to most of us. Most of us, when we get fat, happy, and full, okay, we get lazy. And we forget from where it's come. This nation has forgotten how the greatness came to it. As I, as I read to you the, the piece of prophecy I did back in 1994, and, and within it, to paraphrase just a bit here, where the Lord said, For now thou thinkst that thou hast made this nation great. And that's what we did. We thought that, well, I mean, we have God's hand was upon us. We prospered. God blessed this nation. And we went out and we forgot from whence it has come. To such a degree today that we're trying to take in God we trust off the money. We're seeing to it that our kids can't pray in schools. Well, this is happening and that's happening. The Ten Commandments can't be here. They can't do this. I can't do that. That is an abomination in the eyes of God. This nation was not developed over freedom of being a Muslim or a Christian. This is a Christian nation, or it's supposed to be. And now we have succumbed to the fact that we have let everything that wanted to come in and we're giving them equal rights. No, they've got more rights than we've got. A lot of the school, the Muslim kids got a room. They get to go praying. Our kids wear a Jesus shirt to school. They're throwing out of school for two weeks. Something's wrong, folks. And what's wrong is we missed the mark. 
we missed the mark. And now, and now we, we, we don't have any uh, idea. This nation doesn't have any idea. I love to watch some of this stuff, and they're trying to tell us we need change. Now, it's the worst I ever politician in the world when it comes election time is going to make change. You know what they all do? They all get in the White House. They all get involved with all this thing called money, and they're not worried about change. And I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter who's elected. As long as we're set up with our, our Congress and our Senate the way it is, they're going to sit there and battle each other. And let I mean, unless it's my idea, it's not going to go. And they said, it's your idea, it's not going to go. It's not going to happen. We are our own worst enemy within our government. Somebody said to me, said, how do you fix that? Uh, you really don't want me to tell you how to fix it. But the fact of the matter is, the thing I can't understand, why don't, why don't they vote them all out? Get them all out of there. Why don't they do that? And I'm going to tell you why that's not going to happen, by the way. One is it's too late. They've been turned over to reprobate mine. main thing. But let me tell you this. When it all happened, if you back way over here, when this old gal came along and, uh, bless God, uh, uh, made sure that she did the things that she did, that, what was her name, Madeline O'Hara or something? Yeah. Uh, and bless God took, you know, took the prayer out of school and the stuff that went on with all that. That was when the church should have stood up. You want to talk a march? Talking about a march at Washington D.C. I said no long years ago, every Christian in America, and there wouldn't be enough room. They'd go past the Washington D.C. out in the suburbs and pour out with just nothing but 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 multitudes, waves of people saying, "Uh-uh, we ain't going to do that." But let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, we don't have that kind of a backbone as Christian nation any longer. If we did, I'm going to tell you something. We would decide as Christians who was going to run this nation. Listen to me. We would have decided. We would have brought somebody forward that had proven themselves to know that they were going to go in there. The senators, the congressmen should have been picked by who? The church. But do you know why the church couldn't pick them? Because we're too busy fighting amongst ourselves as to who we would have picked. And that's why it didn't get done. Nobody stood up. The church just sat back and did nothing. And now it's too late. The church couldn't do anything now if they wanted to do it. Why? Divided ye shall fall. And like I said, the church has fallen, you know, generations ago. We're all out here running saying, oh, the church is going to do this and the church is going to do that. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you what the church is going to do. The church is going to do nothing. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. All the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com, and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom.